I'm preaching today on a message that I think will help all of us. And if if you're not in the place where this speaks to you right now, you will be at some point in life. Like I've all like Brother Hagan used to say, the crisis of life comes to everyone. And uh, you know, I always say the two by four of life hits you right in the head when you're not expecting it, right? Something something goes off the rails. And you find yourself, you might be, you might find yourself in the fight of your life for, for, to stay alive. You might find yourself fighting the good fight of faith for healing. You might find yourself fighting the good fight of faith for finances or your, your business to go forward or your marriage to stay intact or you don't know what it is that you might be fighting for, but praise God. In all these things, Paul said, you know, nay. I love that he said nay (laughs) against all the bad stuff. That's what I say, nay. But nay, he said, in all these things, we are barely scraper by. Is that what he said? Scraper by people. No, he says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. Amen. Well, to be more than a conqueror sounds like uh, punitive damages to me. Like, you more than win the case, you get extra bonus on top. I think it was, I, I forgot, I think maybe it was Preflo Dollar that wrote a book about double for your trouble. I think that's, he wrote that. I love that idea, double for your trouble. You, uh, it's called punitive damages. When the devil comes against you, you got to keep in mind, this is not the Lord sending you through the dark, hairy thing, you know, making it tough and difficult. Uh, the crisis of life comes. We live in a fallen world, and, and uh, the Bible says Satan is God of this world. But he's not our God. He's not our Lord because we've chosen Jesus. And so we are free from the curse. Amen. We are overcomers, and we are more than conquerors. Well, it just stands to reason, if you're going to be more than a conqueror, there just might be something you have to conquer. (laughs) Just saying. And then, if we are overcomers, there might be something you have to overcome. And so, praise God. You know, the the people that march in the victory parade down uh, Fifth Avenue, the end of the war, they're the ones that actually fought in the war. Amen. It wasn't journalists. And, uh, <laughs> right, and, uh, magazine editors and so forth marching down Fifth Avenue. It was the actual soldiers that fought. And so they get the victory ticker tape parade, as it's called. And so, um, if we're gonna sing victory in Jesus, it just stands to reason we might have to go through a battle or two to sing that. Well, thank God. Now we know, I guess remind you of some things. We know that we're not fighting the devil. He's already defeated. He's under our feet. Jesus said, I mean, Paul said about Jesus in Ephesians that all, all those things are under the feet of Christ. And we are part of the body. Therefore, they're under our feet. Amen. So by the finished work of Jesus, everything has already been completed. Everything's done. But we have to fight the good fight to... uh to stay in that. That's what Paul said, that fighting the good fight means to fight, to stay in rest, yeah. to stay in peace. 
Because, boy, your mind can go some bad places. Amen? And some dark thoughts can come. The devil will tell you you're defeated, you're defeated, you're defeated, you're defeated. And you have to tell him you're the one that's defeated. Amen. Jesus fought the battle and won the victory. Well, anyway, the title of this message is, What to Do When Your Brook Dries Up. And uh, oftentimes, you know, the Lord decides how our needs are going to be met. He opens the doors for us for um, opportunity. You know, I mean, if you need a job, you can ask the Lord to give you one. Amen? If you need doors of utterance open to you as a minister, you can ask the Lord to open those doors. If you need more partners or donors or whatever to help you with your uh, your nonprofit or your ministry, the Lord can bring those in. And, and we have a tendency to start worshiping the brook and the ravens and being, uh, you know, looking to that instead of looking to God. And there are times in life when the brook dries up and the ravens stop coming, and that's not the time to give up and sit down and poke your lips out and feel sorry for yourself. That's the time to begin to listen to the voice of the Spirit, and He will tell you what to do next, because He already has your provision past the brook and past Cherith. Amen? Well, let's just read this. Elijah the Tishbite who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, the Arab, sorry, as the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, so see, now here's a, here's famine in the land. Here's a problem. And uh, here's... um. Elijah, obviously not being in fear, but he's listening, I believe. He doesn't say he's listening, but he's obviously listening. To the command of faith, to the voice of the Lord. Now, I uh, years ago I was in the Ukraine and uh, preaching. I flew into Birmingham. A friend of mine there had a great church. And... Uh, the Lord, just long story short, the Lord began to speak to me about faith for miracles. Because it seemed like there was a, there was a, a lot of people, especially in the faith movement, they were almost preaching against miracles, to be honest. They didn't really say that. But things were said like, you, you know, you can't live your life by miracles. And really, if you're walking in faith, you shouldn't have to get to the place where you need a miracle. You're just in the everyday faith working flow. Well, there is a truth to that, but I'm telling you, everybody's going to need a miracle at some point beyond your ability to figure it out. And <laughs> glory. Well, if you haven't been there, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news or prophesy something dark, but if there's a good chance, how about that, that you'll be in a position at some point that it's just you and God and believing God. Part of believing God, though, is not just claiming Scripture, but listening to the voice of the, of the Master to tell you what to do about it. 
He will give you your part of the miracle. Amen? There is no miracle in the Bible other than creation of everything that God did by Himself. Every single miracle, there was cooperation from a human being. Why? Because God's given humans the authority on the earth. Hallelujah. So every miracle, Moses parting the Red Sea, all these miracles that happened with Elijah and other miracles, all of them, somebody cooperated with the command of faith. Amen? And so God would say, do this. You know, hold your rod over the water. Speak to this. Strike that. Do things. Uh, rise up. Or hold your peace. Let the Lord fight the battle. Whatever the Lord said, cooperation from the human side of it pushed the miracle into manifestation. Well, that's, that's a, that's a Bible fact from Old to New Testament. And so if you think about that, a lot of times we're thinking miracles are strictly at the sovereign discretion of God. He's just going to dump it upon you when He decides. And you're just surprised. And you're just like in shock and awe. And that's what the, the church traditionally has presented miracles in that fashion. Even the full gospel church has presented it in that fashion. And you just keep hoping for one or asking or praying for one. And if you get one, it's a big deal. And it's rare. In fact, we don't hardly know anybody that's gotten one in the last 40 years. But, you know, we keep hoping, holding our breath, crossing our fingers, rubbing our rabbit's foot, don't step on the sidewalk crack. You know, all kinds of craziness that almost comes. But praise the Lord, we can have faith for miracles today. And part of that faith, part of the prayer, is the prayer is not necessarily this. Lord, help me. Lord, send it. Lord, touch me. Lord, outpour. Lord, give me. That's what we tend to want to do. Almost become beggars at the throne of God. But instead, our prayer should be, Lord, what part of this do I play? What seed do I have to sow? Now, that seed does not necessarily mean finances. It can be finances, but it's not always that. It's usually the seed, it's always the seed of obedience, whether it involves money or not. But it's an obedient seed. It can be, call this person, write a letter, talk to so-and-so, go to this restaurant instead of that one. Uh, you know, do park there, not there. I mean, all kinds of directions that can be part of the obedience process. You know, some of my grace friends, they don't like the word obedience. But it's not obedience like, I don't want to do this and I'm being forced. It's not dead works obedience. But it's just, in other words, I'm ready. Lord, give me the idea. Lord, give me the, the direction. Give me the command and I'll do it. Because he knows more than me. Now, if he doesn't know more than me, and he doesn't know more than you, we're all in trouble. Sometimes we act like we're smarter than God because it's like, well, I gotta come up with, I gotta come up with so much money by Thursday. I gotta come up with this answer. I gotta come up with something, right? A cure for my problem. But 
It's good to listen to what God's saying. He knows where you're, He knows the exact timing. He knows the exact placement. He knows everything about this need. And He's got a plan for you. So that should be cause for peace. You might start confessing and saying, you know, there is an answer, even though I don't know what it is, but there is one. And then by faith, I do know what it is. Because I hear, he's my shepherd, I hear his voice, and another I will not follow. And sometimes it's a series of steps, and sometimes it's just one big thing or one small thing. All right, let's see what the Lord said. Get thee hence. In other words, get up. Turn thee eastward. Get your GPS out. Head east. And hide thyself by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the, the brook. This is during the time of famine. I mean, people are eating uh, bird dung. And the only person that's got any meat and vegetables and bread on the table is the king. Everybody else is starving. Even wealthy people are starving. I mean, he's got it all, they got nothing. Sounds like King Henry, doesn't it? Uh, maybe it is King Henry. No, he was later. All right. He said, it shall be, here. in other words, here's your provision. Everybody say, God has provision for me. God has provision for me. Amen. Here's the provision. Thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. Yes. Now, we have to have faith in what God says. Because sometimes we think, well, I don't know if I can move to Cherith or not. You know, y'all getting anything out of this? Well, it's helping me if it ain't helping you. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. For he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is, before Jordan. And, now we got a pretty good system here. It's a miracle. And you, you start depending on that miracle and you go, wow, this is really working out, man. God is meeting my need and everything is wonderful and, ooh, I love this Brook Cherith Raven thing. Does this relate to anybody ever been there? Everything just hunky-dory. That's not tongues to be interpreted. <laughs> hunky-dory. We live in the hunky-dory. Everything's just fantastic. Woo! Let me show you what can happen. Don't be the bearer of bad... Don't shoot the messenger. The ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. Is exactly what God said. Now, this part of this teaching is from a book that we're working on, uh, In God We Trust. And this is the kind of the foundation of it, that do we trust God or not? And um, 
One of the things that I discovered from a man who lives and ministers in India, and he his family's from India, and uh, he said that when he was growing up as a boy, the house they lived in in India did not have any window glass in the window openings. It's just shutters that would open, you know, they could sh- shut them at night to keep you know, animals out or whatever, thieves. But in the daytime, you just opened it up and you had an opening for ventilation. And he said, my mother would put meat. Uh, they were not Hindus. They were Christians. But they would put meat and bread on the table and uh, said, if you didn't watch it, the ravens would fly into the house and steal the meat right off the table with their talons. They would just, here they come, you see them swoop down and steal the meat. Now, this is interesting. Ravens would do that. I never knew that. Did you know that? Well, we don't have raven problems usually. We have glass on our windows and or screens if we don't, if we have them open. But the ravens, it's funny that the Lord chose ravens to bring him meat. Bring Elijah meat, isn't it? Because they're the ones that would actually be bold enough to fly in somewhere and get the meat. Well, the only guy that's got meat on the table is the king. This is getting better, isn't it? So here's how God's feeding the prophet. Well, it's just the preacher. Let's just give him a, you know some rice with a little something on it. No, this is God's man. He's being fed the best food during time of famine from the king's table. Two dudes eating pretty good, the king and this preacher. Well, I'm just reading the Bible, that's all. I didn't write it. If you don't like it, write to the Lord at some email address and see if you get an answer. I don't like this story. Well, God's taking care of his prophet. Amen. Now, I don't know if if anybody at the king's palace noticed missing meat. But that's the only place they could have gotten any meat. And They're also bringing bread. I don't know who's open for bakery that day, but all this is being while he's dwelling at this creek. He's living in a in a van down by the river. (laughs) So he's as he's camping out in his van down by the river. God's bringing him the best food in the in the nation. During a time of famine. Isn't that beautiful? He's got to be at least borrowing it from the king. I love it. But we have this horrible verse here. After hunky-dory in 6, we go to woe is me in 7. It came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. So finally, the famine comes to the prophet. 
And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Nobody knows the trouble I see. Suck it up and suffer. Is that what he said? Everybody is, we're all in the same boat. Everybody's going through it. Is that what he said? What did he say? Arise and get thee to Zarephath. Oh, we're moving. The cloud is moving. We're moving. Arise, get the, uh, don't you love it that God already had a, 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 a second phase here? I'm telling you, when your brook dries up and the ravens stop coming, it's time to listen to the voice of God and He'll tell you where to go and what to do. Woo! Be careful, I'll get happy here. Have to crank the B3 back up. He said, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Gonna go stay there a while. Behold, I have commanded past tense. He's ahead of him. A widow woman there to sustain me. Dennis Burke one time was preaching on this, and he said, a widow woman, and he got this little flash of humor, and he said, a wee widow woman. You know, like Elmer Fudd. I think that's hysterical. I can't read it now without, I can't unsee that. A wee widow woman, there to sustain thee. So he arose. So he argued with the Lord and said, this is a dumb idea. I'll just wait for the ravens to come back. Ravens, I speak to thee. Come back. No. Uh, I heard Keith Moore say one time, it was really good. He said, uh, the trouble with word of faith people, which we all are, he said, we will dogmatically stand and quote scripture at something when the Lord wants us to go a little different direction. It's not that that scripture doesn't work. The word of the Lord is sacrosanct. I mean, it's, it's, it's there. But sometimes we, the, the way we're using the sword of the spirit will change. There's different techniques and there's different approaches. And sometimes we'll just dogmatically stay on one thing here. Well, I'm going to stick with the ravens and the the brook system and die in the desert and starve to death when God had another plan. And if things just aren't working the way you're trying to work it, maybe it's time to listen for a new plan. Is that helping anybody? It's helping me. This is self-help sermon. Always is. Sometimes we'll just stay on that and all, and, and you know, it takes energy to think and, and, and it takes faith to kind of craft how you're going to approach something. And sometimes we're wasting our faith and wasting our thoughts and our confession and our energy on something that's dried up 
And the Lord's going, don't worry about it. I got something better than that. I mean, you really got to believe God to pray over your meat that's been dragged off somewhere by a bird. I'm just telling you. So, who knows what's in the water? One time, one time years ago, back in the early 70s, the part of Lake Erie in Cleveland caught on fire. You know, I mean, had so many chemicals in the water, the lake was on fire, literally. So, you don't know what's in the water! Praise God. And the Bible talks about, even in Bible days, water being sweet or water being poisoned. And so, you know, he's got to trust in this meat from the bird and the, you know, I mean, okay. But he's got something better, a better system even. He says, go, you don't have to like live outside in the van by the river. You're going to go and stay somewhere nicer. So what looks like disaster is actually on the way to an upgrade. What looks like disaster is on the way to an upgrade. Because God is a God of progress. He's never going to shove you down the stairs and say, now, you know, climb, you know, work your way back up with three broken bones and Whatever. He's not like that. All right. So he wrote, he he obeyed God. Oral Roberts said, when somebody asked him, what is the secret to your success? He said two words, obey God. He said, I've only accomplished what I've accomplished by being so right always willing to obey God and not argue. So then sometimes he would have an idea, and Evelyn would say to him, his wife Evelyn, my darling wife Evelyn, he would, she would say, now, did the Lord tell you this, or is this something you came up with on your own? Every wife has asked her husband that when he announces a new idea. Now, is this from the Lord? Or did you just think this up all by yourself? Praise God. All right. Uh, that's not getting any. Nobody's, everybody's scared on that. But it's a good question, isn't it? I've commanded a, a widow woman and it says, it says, and so he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman, the wee widow woman, was there gathering of sticks, and he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. Well, that's not a problem. Apparently there was water in the well or whatever. And uh, as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. She said, as the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. 
And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. In other words, this is the end of the, she's been rationing. And we have a tendency to do that. You know, when things are tight and whatever, we, we start rationing, don't we? we? Well, if I can make this and last till then and whatever, we start rationing. I'm gathering that I'm, that will, in other words, she knows she's at the end of it. This is, this is how much is left. And then it's the, the bottom of the barrel is, is done, scraped off. Well, he says to her, fear not. Now, this is the cool thing. In the time of, of, of famine, the time of shortages, it's a good thing to get rid of fear. Because yes. we get afraid. We're afraid we're not going to make it. We're afraid we're not going to get, you know, what we need to get. Get our bills paid and do what we need to do. Fear not. Go and do as thou hast said. Now, notice he didn't say, now you're going to have to, to do without for a while. You're going to have to, you know, lay down, whatever. No, he said, go with your plan. No problem. But make me a little cake first, bring it unto me, and after, make for thee and for thy son. In other words, you're going to not only do what you were planning to do, you're going to get to do more with the same amount. And... uh Thus, for thus, then he, then he gets into the prophet mode here and prophesies. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. Now, when you're in need of a miracle, like Elijah, this is another thing about miracles. When you're in a need for a miracle, God will oftentimes use someone else that's also in need of a miracle. And other people, because it says the whole household later ate for a year, they get sloshed upon. They don't even know where the blessing came from. So oftentimes, the way that God meets your need is in a way that multiple parties get blessed. And you think, Brother Copeland said one time, said, Lord, why do you go to the toughies first? He said, well, because they're the ones that need to act. They're the ones that need to have a, something happen. They don't even realize it sometimes. And he said, well, go to the easy people all the time that always obey you. He goes, no, I want more people in on this. But I want to be one of the easy people, don't you? Amen. And it said, she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. Now we got obedient people. Elijah's obeying God. This woman's obeying God. And it's, this is not a surprise for her because the, the, the Bible says the Lord has already commanded her. I think she was just thinking, I wonder if there's any way to wriggle out of this, you know. It's not always easy on your flesh to obey God, you know. Hardly ever. She went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. And other translations 
have said, and commentators, common, a commentator. They might be from Idaho. What do you think? Commentator, Bible commentators <laughs> said that it was for an entire year, three meals a day. And it says her whole household. We don't know how many were in that, but the multiplication of this from one little, you know, cake, cornbread cake or whatever is uh, amazing, isn't it? And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. Now, if you kept reading there, which we won't take time to do because we're almost out of time, but if you kept reading, you'd see that the woman's son fell sick, and uh, the miracle continued with Elijah coming back and uh, and being involved in the healing of this child. So once God starts a miracle, he completes it. Well, I don't know if that helped you or not. I, I, I love this passage because so, so many times, you know, we just were creatures of habit and we'll just coast. And, you know, everything's coming in great and God's using this one and that one and the other one and, and everything and, you know, your job or whatever. Uh, is, is supplying need. Amen. And then all of a sudden things can happen. Anybody had something happen, you know, an accident or something else. And you think, what on earth am I now going to do? And, uh, the Lord always knows. We just have to pray and listen. Lord, I know what your will is. Third John 2 says, above all things, that you mayest prosper and be in health, even as your soul is prospering. People try to make a big deal out of that. Yeah, there's the caveat. As your soul prospers, you don't know if that's happening. It is happening in Jesus' name. We're coming to church. We're hearing the word. We're speaking the word. We're praying. We're worshiping. We're connected. We are involved with God. Of course, my soul is prospering. And so my, my soul is prospering and I'm prospering and my health is springing forth speedily. That was a statement of faith for me this week because we kind of under attack since like Tuesday or whatever and believe in God and here I am. Amen. Glory to God. Somebody might say, how you feeling? Don't ask. Don't want to know. But that doesn't have anything to do with the Bible. Amen? What I'm believing. God is a good God. So I'm healthy, and then he's bringing wealth to me. Amen? We're walking and living in abundance and prosperity, and God's on the throne. And so if something seems to be a snag, don't just stand there and keep kicking at the braven, you know, or screaming at birds. Say, Lord, are you, are, 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 is there a change of direction here? Are you leading me to do something different or say something different? Yeah. I'm telling you, sometimes God will kick you out of your comfort zone and you'll have to start doing something. Like what did the one guy say? If you want something you've never had, you might have to do something you've never done. Yeah, that's right. The definition of insanity is to keep doing the same thing 
over again expecting new results. You're not going to get new results that way. I was just thinking today, I got, I got a couple of minutes, I was just thinking today about my mother, who is a great woman of God, amen. Uh, in April, she will be 93. And uh, still doing, still going strong and serving God. And as you know, when she comes to visit, she'll—I think she's coming in in uh, March now for a few days. But um, we'll see. But my mother has been such an example of a, a a woman of faith and a woman of prayer and a woman who gets results in her prayers. And, uh, my dad, you know, towards the, my dad, he passed, my dad was nine years older than my mother. He passed away. He was 88 and, uh, uh had a great ministry since 1946. Praise the Lord. So, uh, he, 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 um, hung in there. And, uh, you know, sometimes you get a little older in life and all and, in ministry, it's the same as other things. You're just not quite as in demand as you were. And, you know, some, some of the people that knew you that maybe would have had you in to preach or whatever, they're, they've moved to heaven. You know, life changes. So here's my dad. He, this was like the last year or the year before he passed away. So he's like 86. And, uh, I mean, just really, um, some of his opportunities to preach had just dried up, even though he could still do it. Just, you know, he just it wasn't just a big demand for an 86-year-old preacher. And so, you know, their, their brook dried up, man. I'm telling you, and they, they were kind of uh, in need of, of some finances. You want to hear a testimony like what happened? So my mother, who... uh it's like prayer bulldog, you know, she gets a hold of it and won't let go. My dad was kind of down in the dumps about it because they, they needed to, you know, do something, either sell their house or do something to pay their bills, you know. And, and so my mother's like, God's got the, God's got the money, you know, what we need to pay off everything and be in good shape. And so they're believing God. And right before this happened, my dad was like, I don't know, Jerry, we might have to sell the house. I don't know. Well, she said, we're not going to sell the house. God's going to meet the needs. You know, she just like barks at him. <laughs> and if he got too mumbly grumbly, she would force him into the study with a cassette tape player that they still owned and listen to Brother Hagen tapes. Yeah. You're talking nonsense. Go listen to the word, you know. So he knew that he was going to get sent to the word room if he said too much, you know. And so she's believing God, and a couple of things happen. One thing is a, 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 one of their partners, a family friends as well, uh, said the Lord spoke to them to pay off their house in Tulsa, and they had a condo in um, at the beach in Alabama. Yes, Alabama has a beach. Save, save the jokes for later. Beautiful beach in Alabama. But had a condo at the beach and, you know, they were both mortgaged and paying mortgage payments. And my dad, I don't know, Jerry, we might have, no, go listen to tapes. So 
she's believing God, and this person called one day and said, I need the name and phone number of your mortgage company in Tulsa and the name and phone number of your mortgage company in Alabama, and we're going to call them and we're going to pay off both houses. Well, that's a blessing. You understand. And for some people, it wouldn't have been all that much money, but for them, it was a lot. And so both houses paid off on the same day. That's kind of a miracle, isn't it? Well, Mama, they got down to where they were, they were needing to pay off some bills and catch up. You know, you ever been there? You need to play catch up. So there, she's praying and believing God. My dad's, he gets sent back to the tape room. One time he came in. You want to hear this funny story? There's a, a story in the story. One time he came into Broken Arrow there when they were living in Tulsa. And they had a home in Broken Arrow near Ramah. And he had had some, some problems, uh, some pain and problems. And he went in and the doctor, they said, your gallbladder is full of gallstones and is about ready to just erupt. And if it does, it'll dump poison on top of your liver and can stop your liver. And you, you, you're dead. You know, you're, you're basically said, you need to check into the hospital tonight. You need to go from the doctor's office to the hospital. He said, well, I ain't going anywhere without telling Jerry, my mother. So he drives. They said, well, you go home and get your pajamas or your razor or whatever, and you're coming back to the hospital. We got a bed ready. Don't need, don't go to the ER. Just check in, you know. So, okay. So he goes home and he says, well, they said I got a gallbladder problem and it's full of gallstones and she's and I got to go to the hospital. You're not going to the hospital, she said. You're going to the tape room. And you're going to listen. You're going to give God first shot. Not last, when all else fails, trust God. You're going to trust God first. So she said, you're going upstairs. She said, here's some soup and some cornbread. And now you're going up to the tape room. So he has to go to the tape room, you know, and listen to Brother Hagen on cassette. The Sony machine, clunk. Well, he got happy listening to some, you know, tape on healing or something. He started praising God and claimed his healing. And she said, I believe by in the morning you're going to go back to the doctor and have him run the test. There's not going to be one gallstone. He went back, he called the doctor, I need to come by and let you ch- examine me again. No, there's, that's just a waste of time. There's no, you just go to the hospital. No, I'm going to come out of the, so he goes over there and they ran every test that couldn't find one gallstone. Praise I mean, God. they completely disappeared. Praise God. So mother's extreme, but she's not crazy. <laughs> you understand? She's just bold. Well, she believed God got the houses paid for when my dad was threatening to sell them. Well, they got down the last year. Now, he had gotten to the place where, you know, just just from some some aging and things, where 
he'd get his stories a little mixed up and that kind of thing, you know. And a mother would get up there with the mic and help him. You know, now, Doc, that's not the right, you know, whatever. Help him along. Well, there's one church. She's believing God and Daddy's ready to, you know, sell everything that's not vaulted down. And she's believing God. And uh, a, a preacher called from up north, a rectangle state, and called and said, um, I want you to come help me with my camp meeting. Well, this guy, you know, he had had some, some issues, and I was even saying, don't go up there. It's not, it's, daddy's too old, you know, and sickly. He kind of was getting a little, little, little funky, you know, with some of his health. And I think, good Lord, you fly all the way up north someplace and at his age and condition and everything. Don't do it. I'm telling my mother. She shows you how spiritual I am. Don't go. She says, well, this is the only invitation we have, and I think we should go. Well, they go, and the biggest crowd, the banner night, they've got 30 people at this thing. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord, this is not good, you know. 30 people is a little meeting up north somewhere. And uh, I said, oh, well, I hope, you know, God does something for my Mother says, I'm believing God. I think God's going to bless us. We go up there. Well, they stay and they preach and the meeting goes from three days to five or something, you know, and, and they have a good meeting, you know, you can have a good meeting with 30 people. Praise the Lord. You have a good meeting with three people. And so mother called me on the way home and she said, do you want to know what our offering was? Now, she, because I was the one naysaying going, you know, this is not smart. Y'all need to use wisdom. You know, usually the wisdom people don't have a lot of miracles. Because they'll talk themselves out of it. Really? So, well, y'all need to use wisdom. Is this wise? Dragging him up there at his age and condition. And da-da-da-da-da. I can't even remember his stories. Well, they go up there. And they take the regular offering, you know, the guest speaker offering for the, for the, uh, guest speaker, you know, the second offering. First one's for the budget and then the, and, uh, it goes up there and I'm going to drink some water here so I don't like, my throat doesn't like collapse. For those of you watching on live stream, this is the water break. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, she says, well, the offering from the people, you know, from the 30 people at the little meeting uh, for preaching like five nights came to like $3,500. And I said, well, praise the Lord, that's good. And they bought your airline ticket and everything also. So praise God. It's a good offering. Amen. Good honorarium. She said, but let me tell you this. I said, what? She said, the, the host minister said the Lord spoke to him and wanted to add his check to it. 
I said, oh, well, how much was that? She said, $50,000. So mama and daddy come home with $53,500. And genius-led spiritual son is saying, don't go. I said, oh my God, that's amazing. Praise God. I mean, that really helped them. You understand? How many would 53.5 help you today? I mean, it would help me. Hallelujah. Well, they, you know, use that and up and whatever. About six months later, they're back needing another offering, you know, somewhere. And I'll just tell you, I'll give credit where credit is due, but, uh, brother Keith Moore, had at that time he didn't have a church in Sarasota, but he had the one in Branson. And I mean, in those days, especially, nobody preached in that pulpit except for him, Phyllis, and Kenneth Copeland. That was it. Nobody else was invited or whatever. Praise the Lord. To each his own. Do your thing. Hallelujah. But that was the truth. And all of a sudden, my mama's still praying. Daddy's going, I don't know, Jerry. Be careful, she'll get that eyebrow up and you have to go to the tape room. And uh so mama's praying, you know, and believing God for this. Now think about it, their house have been two two houses mortgage paid off. Here they go to this little dinky meeting, and they get come home with fifty three thousand five hundred dollars. Now uh they're back to needing some more money. <laughs> You know, every now and then you needed some more money. And so, believe in God, and I don't know, Jerry, you know. Well, Mama stands in faith and believes, and uh, Brother Keith Moore calls him. And he says, can y'all come over here on Friday night and do a Friday night service in, in Branson? I'll send the plane or whatever. Get you. So, yeah, great. I said, that's a miracle. He never invites anybody except for Kenneth Copeland and Phyllis. So, his wife. Said, oh, well, okay. So they, they go over there, preach the Friday night, say, well, why don't you stay over Saturday, send him out with some people that had a boat and just went out you know, on the lake and had a nice day. She stay over Sunday and just be in the service with us, you know, and everything. Okay. Well, by Monday, you know, they're going to go home to Tulsa, praise the Lord, the holy city. And uh, when they handed them the envelope, the check, it was $50,000. Said, the Lord just spoke to us to do this for you. Now, this was no letter going out. This was not on TV. Won't you help us? Won't you help us? Won't you help us? Won't you help us? You know. If you don't help us, we're going off the air. I thought, years, I thought, what if we raised them $100,000 to to pay them to stay off the air? We'll pay your bills if you promise to stay off the air. Because you're not helping anybody. You know, like bribery. I don't think that would work. They'd still go on there. 
We had a Church of God preacher one time in Augusta that came and preached, and some of you'd know the name if I called it. I won't tell you who it is. But uh, he got up to preach, and he had a, you know, the sport coat with the kind of patch pocket, you know, sewn. Well, it had been ripped down and was hanging down. You know, it needed repair or something, and he had a hole in his shoe. Well, my mother noticed it. You know, she said, Brother, we need to take you to the clothing store, you know, tomorrow and get you a new pair of shoes and a sport coat. He goes, no, don't mess with that. It helps my offerings. In other words, he's he's pulling on people's sympathy strings instead of faith. Horrible. He could he could have bought, this man was actually pretty well off. He could have bought anything he wanted, and he's putting on rags to try to manipulate people's emotions. That's called witchcraft is what that is. And um, that particular family in the ministry ended up with a, a disaster and a terrible name. But, you know, you can't do stuff like that. That's so crazy. Anyway, Mama prayed and the money came. And uh, and you say, oh, yeah, well, they got invited to a really big church. Yeah, a really big church that doesn't invite anybody. There's the miracle. Right? There's the miracle. Uh, and, um, and, and, and so God, point is, God can get it to you. You just keep standing in faith, quote the word, praise him, glorify his name. I'm so over time today, it's pathetic. But I just thought that we all needed this. Amen? And, uh, so how many need a change of direction or your, your brook's drying up, you need something else? Amen. Let's just stand together, we'll pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord, today for this message and this kind of faith. And Lord, those of us that are believing you for a miracle, believing you for something, we thank you that you can speak to us as clearly as you spoke to Elijah. You can tell us where to go, what to do, how to do it, where to be, how to be. We thank you, Father, for these things in Jesus' name. We thank you for refunds and rebates and uh, extra income and things coming from places we've never thought of. We thank you, Lord, that you can open a door of utterance, a door of opportunity for different places, different people, different things. Lord, we give you praise and we give you honor and we give you glory today. Now, those that are watching by Internet, we pray for your healing and also in the room here. In Jesus' name, Father, I thank you. For your healing touch, I thank you for uh, blind eyes opening, deaf ears unstopped. I command lame legs to walk, cancers and tumors and growths and abnormal cells to dry up and die. Father, I thank you for your healing power today in Jesus' name. Those who have mental illness and, and attacks on their mind and their thought life, Father, I thank you for healing them and touching them and encouraging them in Jesus' name. We command every name that's named to bow its knee to the name of Jesus. Uh, those that are, uh, have need a financial miracle, a uh, 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 material miracle, I thank you, Lord, for showing yourself strong today and into the next week and that there will be testimonies of your great provision we give you glory and honor and praise. Let's lift their hands and thank Him.
and praise Him in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. All right, thanks for coming. Thanks for tolerating a little longer sermon today. And we'll see you Wednesday night. Pastor Scarlett's going to be preaching.